0: All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another Bucks of America podcast. We are talking to my friend, Philip McNeely from Arizona. Now He is up in the great state of Minnesota. We're in uh, Minnetonka. We're here going to be talking to you guys regarding some ver- a very fun experience today. Why don't we start at the very beginning of okay. your whole hunt?
1: Okay. Yeah, to go way back, I mean, I grew up in California, and mm-hmm. there, it's, you, you know people who do it, and you have the resources, or you don't get into it, because they, they uh it's it's just not as easy. Um so moved to Arizona. I've been there for twelve ish years and uh-huh. you know, always talk to people being a big hunting state where they'd be like, Oh yeah, you know, I got I got an elk hunt coming up or I got a deer hunt coming up. You could come along, I'll show you a thing or two. And they would never follow through. And I gotcha. uh I finally had a buddy about three years ago mm-hmm. who was drawn for a Muley and okay. uh invited me and actually gave me the details. Ah. and I got to go along with them and Okay the bug just bit me. So now on this trip, was he successful? Uh, he, he was. Um, so where we went hunting was, uh, near his hometown where he grew up and and he has a lot of family and friends that are still mm-hmm, out there mm-hmm. and go out every single year. So I got the whole talk about the honey hole I about, gotcha. uh,
0: keep your well, mouth shut.
1: It's of secrecy about where <laughs> they, uh, where they took me. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, you know, I, I went along with him. He had gotten a I think a three by three the year before. And so this was his second year to go out and hopefully get another deer. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm going to learn from you. And, uh, we, we get his deer down, get it off of the side of the hill where, you know, we're going to do the field dressing. And I look to him and I'm like, all right, so what's the first step? And he's like, well, I've watched this YouTube video of how to field dress. And, uh, (laughs) you know, let let me get my phone out and see if I can watch it one more time. And I'm I just looked at him like what? Okay. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I know. Last year the guys, they they did more of it for me. Okay. And uh, they just happened to put a buck down with a uh, you know another new hunter. Okay. Far away, you know, a different section of the unit where they were not going to be able to come and give us any assistance. So All right. it was on us. And so it's trial by fire, huh? The best way to learn.
0: That's very true. The
1: That's best way true. to learn. Okay. So, you know, we got, uh, that, that whole hunt, it was, it was an absolute blast. That's good. Um, a lot of, uh, I don't know if you call it disorganization or just not, not knowing what was going on. I was just Mm -hmm, along for the mm -hmm. ride.
2: True. And,
1: uh, I don't know if I had all of the information I needed. Okay. You know, we, we got out there and, uh, you know, we didn't have water with us. Didn't have the knives with us. Didn't have flashlights with us. My my buddy, uh, they glassed up a buck, and he grabbed his rifle and started to run. <laughs> it's like, all right, stuff's on. Okay. And uh, we we didn't really think of the consequences or the, you know, what what was going to happen after the buck was down.
0: I got you when the real work really begins because like exactly. it's all up and fun until you pull that trigger and then you see the animal expire and that's when really that's when the game goes. But you know it's. It's good and bad that you went through the experience because now it's like you're going to have a little bit more of a strategy when you, when you yes. the, 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 the upcoming years that you hunt, when you harvested your mealy. But I understand completely because it's like I, I I grew up in a hunting environment. So it's like I had mm-hmm. the pleasure of being able to be taught what to do, what not to do, make sure what you have in your pack and how you evaluate each day. Because uh, for when I go out hunting myself, I look at what my day is going to bring me. And so I, I plan accordingly. So it's like, of course, I'm going to have something to be able to, to field dress the animal with. Make sure I have all the proper gear for me to make sure I stay comfortable for the day and go on from there. Now, for you guys, it yeah. sounds like you guys got the excitement, you got the adrenaline <laughs> dump, and it's like I, mean, I get it. It's it's great to feel. Like it's like it's it's a kid in candy store for the first time. It's like you know, it's like your parents tell you it's like pick out what any candy you want. It's like right. woo, goody. Yeah. So now, after that, how did so then what have to happen after that? After you got the the animal feel addressed, and then then what what got your mind disciplined to start the next steps?
1: It's just one of those things, it, it's hard to put in words. Okay. Uh, Cause the whole time I can think about to, you know, calves cramping is are we're, we're carrying out the deer, or dragging the deer out in the most inefficient way possible. Okay. Um, it was blind leading the blind. Every mistake that we probably could have made, mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. And got back to where we were camping at, I don't know, 11 at night mm-hmm. and exhausted. Holy crap, I just had so much fun. Yeah. It was probably one of the hardest days I ever put in,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: it was just so much fun. I got you. And I wanted it again.
0: <laughs> Very cool. So now, um, so now, did you end up courting the animal out there in the field, or did no. you end up just dragging it all the way back to camp? We wound up
1: dragging it.
0: Oh, how far out was it when you... Um,
1: I, I mean, we probably had to drag it 1200 yards ish. I mean, give or take as a crow flies. Oh man. Um, but it was kind of over three hills and valleys and wound up winding up, you know, finding a wash that we could take it down the wash until it intersected with the road. And then he ran up the road and got his truck type of thing. Um, (laughs) and, and looking back on it, it, it probably took us, you know, an hour, but at that point where you know, running on no sleep because we got mm-hmm. to the camping spot the night before at like midnight, 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, hey, we need to be up by four. So, you know, we probably had two or three hours of sleep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Didn't really bring the right amount of food. Running low on water because we didn't really bring any with us. Oh, wow. So, you know, it was it was the perfect storm of probably everything we shouldn't do. But luckily, we were still in an area that if something got a little too hairy, there was support. That's good. So, you know, it wasn't like we were going to be stuck out in the middle of the desert or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, in a unsafe situation as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, like you said, it definitely prepared me for the future years. And I probably pack a little bit heavier than I should now when okay. I go out into the field mm-hmm. a lot because of my first experience.
0: I, you know, I get it though, because I've never been in a situation where you've been at, but I get being over prepared because as you progress in your career and you start learning more and more details about like ounces and what to take, what not to bring with you. But it's like figuring out what's going to be best suited for you to be successful, what knives to bring, how many knives to bring, how much water to bring, food to bring. It's a really you, 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 you learn by trial by fire, which is there's nothing wrong with it. It's just now it's like, well, you have a better understanding. So how does prep? So then, after you got everything all said and done, so now this was what year that you went out with him?
1: About three years ago.
0: Three years. ago. So that would have been well, it's twenty nineteen now. So twenty three, three
1: hunting seasons ago, basically. Yeah, gotcha. So that'd
0: be twenty fifteen or yeah, 2015. Or 2016. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, that'd be 2015, it'd be 2015. twenty fifteen. Yeah, because then you hunt. Then you hunted in twenty sixteen, didn't you? Did Did you get
1: drawn for a tag in twenty so, well, sixteen? We're We're both terrible at math. Uh, I, apparently, it was, it was hunting season of twenty sixteen. Okay, so that's when he, that's when he hunted. It. That That was his hunt. And then uh, I put in for elk and deer mm-hmm. for the 2017 season. Okay. And I got drawn for uh, cow elk. Okay. Or antlerless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's when it was go time to start getting all the gear together and and finding out what do I need, what don't I need. Uh, you know, I had, I had a couple of uh, – Fun guns, but I didn't have a good hunting rifle. All right, at that time, so I was, you know, starting to figure out what do I do for that. Fair enough. Um,
0: So, how did you begin the process of researching a firearm that's going to be a good tack driver to handle both a elk and a muley?
1: Um, a lot of it's talking to people that I know who have done a lot of hunting, uh, spending a lot of time just on. The hunting groups within Facebook and forums and okay. just trying to really, I'm still not going to claim to be an expert, but uh, I feel like I picked the best thing for me. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was looking for something that would be forgiving as far as uh, how it fires. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I picked the uh, seven rim mag. So it's okay. a, a Remington 700 uh, chambered in seven rim mag. Mm-hmm. and knowing just how it is a, a fast round and doesn't have a lot of drop, doesn't uh, get affected by the wind as much, mm-hmm. um, it, it was going to give me that level of forgiveness because I don't have the budget to go throw five, 600 rounds down the, the range. Over the course
0: of a year, 100% uh, you know. I get it. I, I th- with my odd six, I throw... About a hundred or two hundred y- uh, rounds a year, depending on how ambitious I become. But I get it, though. Man, it's like when you're talking a buck two dollars a round. You shoot. You spend more time dry firing than actually firing, so to, yeah. to get your breathing down, to get your p- cheek position correctly. You you break down the fundamentals and the techniques. So when you're getting when you're getting out there, hopefully your muscle memory kicks in mm-hmm. and your your it's like your your brain zones out, but your body kicks in mm-hmm. to allow you to execute that. Uh, technical shot.
1: Yeah, I mean I would spend time just even watching TV mm-hmm. with uh you know a, a firing cap in there but mm-hmm. not that I heard that it would cause any damage anyways but I would I would just you know rack rack it and and dry fire it basically mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to get that muscle memory on the trigger. Fair enough, yeah. Um, and plus
0: you can you can figure out how you like you like I know with my 30-06 out I'd put it put in my lead sled and I'd sit there and I'd actually put it in there and I'd look at it and I'd, I'd pull my trigger and I'd watch my crosshairs and how it would it, it move to the left or the right ever so slightly mm-hmm. but how much they will affect 200 yards down the road and so it's like allowed me to figure out like what's the proper positioning on my uh, trigger finger to make sure I'm executing the proper shots right so that, is that something you did too as well
1: um, I tried to honestly like look up a lot of even just YouTube videos okay. of proper techniques for for long-range shooting and mm-hmm. how to hold or you know push the rifle and and try to make it so that way that recoil comes straight back and no side-to-side action, etc.
0: Perfect sense there. Um,
1: yeah, you know, and I, I don't claim to be an expert in any of these things, for sure. I, I still have I, a I lot even, to learn. I don't, I don't even think like
0: hunters <laughs> that have 20 plus years consider themselves extra because they always yeah. learn something new every year because it's like there's gonna be something different in the year before. Five years before, fifteen years before, I get it hundred percent, man.
1: It's it's an important thing to stay humble because there, there's so many variables that we deal with day to day, and when you're when you're out hunting, whether it's the humidity can make a difference on how that round flies through the air. So that's
0: very true. And no, and like a good uh, person to learn from is the editor from the Field and Stream magazine, uh, uh, T. Edwards Nichols. He gets okay. to shoot all the fun guns and stuff like that, and you get all the new stuff that goes out there. He's been on several podcasts I listen to, but he's a good resource to actually listen to because I mean he's got decades worth of experience, and uh, he with his experience, one with, the, with the, the magazine, always like putting the time into the the range, getting to actually experience some of his firearms that people develop from from Savage Winchester, uh, Remington. It's Like, you get to you, you get to yeah. you get to play with all the best toys? And it's like the best part is when you when you as an adult when you get in the industry. Or in the outdoor world, you never really grow up because it's like there's new no fishing pole, there's new no castron <laughs> there's new no lures, there's new bullets, there's new there's new archery, there's new, new bows. So it's like you get to you get to, to experience so much, and it's like it's a great way to feel like a child in your mid forties, thirties, and twenties.
1: Yeah. No, it. it you got to keep that in mind too. It's just they come out with new stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's it's an expensive sport to get into, so I really it's had the to, most expensive free food out there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's no joke. Um, so I really had to do a lot of, of soul searching of, okay, what do I really need? Mm-hmm. Is this something, is, is this a want to be successful? I gotcha. Or is this a need to be successful? So when you
0: decided what, um, when you're using your 7mm, uh, you ch- what grain do you use? Um, or did you use for your, because you, you were successfully with your muley.
1: Yeah, I, I was, uh, I used a 175 grain because okay. that's what I had shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a a box of one fifty grain. Okay, uh, but I didn't have time to really go see
0: what your what your uh, your firearm like to use. Right, I, I know. So, like, I don't know if it's necessarily true or not because I don't I don't have the ex- expertise as uh, Tiger McGee. I mean, he's a renowned firearms instruct instructor, and he's a career person. A pretty student, because like I was listening to his podcast with um, Hal Herring with the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and, stuff like, and he says you spend most of your time. Behind the trigger, dry fire, and then you actually do firing down there. It's like and he yeah. breaks down the science. Where he's a very smart man. He's got a lot of experience behind it. Now, because um, I don't know if it's necessarily true though, if that if there's certain grains that certain guns like, you know, like they, they just the the, the whole uh, chemistry, the harmonics, yeah, exactly. Like everything flows very well. It's like you know, with X grain, it's like you're going to put it here, here, and here at 100, yeah. two, three, 400 yards out.
1: Well, I've talked to a lot of guys too that, uh-huh. you know, oh, hey, I shoot Hornady because I get, you know, this type of type of grouping and more, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I shoot these really cheap, uh, you know, Federals or whatever the case is mm-hmm. because my gun just loves them. Mm-hmm. So th- there's got to be, maybe it's a superstition, but I mean, there's enough people out there that I trust who spend a lot of time behind their rifle mm-hmm. throwing lead down range that, I believe there is something behind that harmonics piece of it that mm-hmm. you, you just got to put a lot of rounds through, you know, different brands, or brands down through your barrel and I, see. I understand. What does it appreciate mm-hmm. and, and what does it not?
0: Yeah, because you know my background, because like I've been playing paintball for twenty plus years. It's like mm-hmm. I know what my uh, my paintball markers really like, and so it's like it, it's. I wonder if it was, I've always wondered if the same. Uh, thought process behind it because you in there you have a ball barrel match and it's like well I'm, I'm I, I hope there's something similar to that because like I like that science stuff behind it cause I'm not as technical as Tiger is but it's like I'm sure that he can uh, he can answer that question if I decide to shoot him an email or something like that uh, now so break down your preparation for the 2017 season after your 2016 uh, I want necess- <laughs> your learning experience I think that's a good way to chalk it up too.
1: yeah. Um, it, it was an interesting time for me to prep. Okay. Um, because shortly after I found out that I got drawn for elk. Okay. I also found out that my wife was pregnant. Oh boy. When was she born again? What uh, uh, was it in the fall or spring? My, my daughter's birthday is November 26th.
0: Oh man. Right. Oh, that's, that's a Valentine's baby.
1: And my, uh, my elk hunt was slated to start on December seventh.
2: Oh man, that's a
0: you know it's like that's something <laughs> they gotta look into because like I got lucky; my daughter's born in January, so it's like pretty cool with that. My dad wasn't so smart when he had me back uh, back in the eighties. It's like uh, it's like I was shortly after Valentine's Day, so it wasn't exactly. But it's like it's cool that your daughter's a um, Sagittarius because that's like she's a twenty sixth on the 20, on the thirtieth. So okay, it's like, we're, we're we're just neck and dust. So it's like I I get what you're what you're going to be raising over the next. 18 to 25 years i don't know
1: anything (laughs) about the signs i just know that uh if she wants me around for her birthdays hopefully she's a big fan of hunting (laughs) right but the thing is like getting getting permission
0: from your wife that's one thing it's like like when you when people are like proposing to get married and stuff like that like when like (laughs) i look like, we, we, we were thinking about like when we got married it's like it's not going to be it's going to be before hunting season because that's why it's like i do not want a monkey with my anniversary during hunting season even though i've got lucky my fiance loves to hunt but yeah. it's like it's one big thing it's like, especially like if you and your wife decide to have another child it's like all right so it's like we're gonna have to start <laughs> practicing in august and hopefully things will take off in october and i'll be good to go
1: that was the plan mm-hmm. um yeah i've heard the saying that you know uh if you want to make God laugh, show Him your plan.
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. I like that one.
1: Um, and it was it was absolutely the truth. So, my uh, my wife is absolutely awesome, and she one hundred and ten percent supported me still going on my hunt. That's awesome. Um, that's good. And my really good buddies that uh, he he's done a lot of hunting down in Texas. Okay. And he's getting into hunting in Arizona, which. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas not having a lot of public, it's more of you know being in the blind typically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're we're both trying to really learn what we're doing in Arizona.
2: I gotcha. And he
1: got drawn for deer in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. That uh, his hunt took place in the beginning of November. All right. So he was going to come and support me in my elk hunt. All right. So I got the time off work and you know, took the whole week off and to go up with him mm-hmm. and try to try to beat feet across the state and, and help him find a buck and, and put it down. Mm-hmm. So once, you know, I had that week off in the beginning of November, and then I had a week off around Thanksgiving that I'd taken that my plan was to go up to my unit and, and put some scouting time in. Fair enough. And uh, the stress of me being away you know, caused my wife some, some issues that we were worried, you know, that it might induce the, the, the pregnancy or the birth Mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I got back from my buddy's hunt, it was out of the question for me to go do scouting.
0: Okay. Understandably so.
1: Um, so I, I got my gear all together. I was ready to go, but, uh, it was time to go, you know, sight unseen Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. my elk hunt.
0: Oh, wow, man. that's, that's, that's some, uh, uh, like thin line to be walking down especially <laughs> one so close to being born because I was listening to uh, Doug Dernan and uh, Pat uh, Durkin about everything like that and they, they brought up some solid points about trying to create like at least an ideal situation to be able to to be able to enjoy that stuff like now anybody out there that's looking to get married or you recently start dating somebody don't plan a wedding like like oh like a friend of mine's getting married in September's like nope I'm busy got a friend getting married <laughs> in December nope I'm busy it's like, oh, I got a friend busy or I got a friend getting married in September it's like, or uh, February. It's like, all right, I'm good. It's, be, it's right before turkey season. I'm all right with that. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you really got to pay attention, like when you start looking at future plans, you know, because I got, me, let I'm, me
1: check the regs and see if that's in my schedule. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And then let me talk to the boss real fast to make sure it's okay. Because it's like, if, if she makes it, it's like, I think I'll be all right. Yeah. It's like, now, uh, so now it was so you, how, how did your, um, your 2017 elk hunt go?
1: It was a really good learning experience. Uh, okay. I'll save you the suspense. I didn't put one on the ground. All right. Um. We we had a couple of people that you know I talked to, and they're like, "Yeah, we know the area. Go check this area out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always elk here." And it just so happened that was an area that they were doing a lot of logging, and now there was no pine trees there anymore, and there oh, was a ooh. bunch of stuff going on um that wasn't conducive to having elk herd there any longer Fair so enough. uh we we spent a lot of time you know we we would go on 6 to 10 mile hikes trying to find mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know a good spot and and there was there was a level of frustration not with not finding one but not knowing what i was doing wrong I gotcha. You know, am I am I dragging my feet too much? Am I making too much noise? Are they am I walking in the, the wind the wrong way? Am I just in the wrong spot altogether?
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: So, you know, it it was a great learning experience and luckily, you know, I was somewhere where I still had cell phone reception, so at mm-hmm. the end of the day, um I was able to kind of get onto some of the hunting groups in Arizona on, on Facebook and just people they saw that i was putting the work in okay and i, I wasn't you know just asking for honey holes or anything mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was cool the outreach that i got from people well, that's that's um, exciting being like hey we're in this unit you know this is where we're starting to find stuff or you know hey i hunted that unit a couple of weeks ago uh this is where we were successful or a buddy was successful go check it out okay and so it gave us places for me and my buddy to sit down pull up on x and go okay where where is going to give us our best odds? Mm-hmm. You know, where, where are they going to be going to drink? Where mm-hmm. are they going to be feeling the less, the, the least amount of pressure if that's possible?
0: Now by time, cause you said you were hunting just December 7th, right? Yep. Okay. Now at that point in time, in the sun hunting season in Arizona, how many weeks have they been pressured at that point in time, by that time?
1: Um, I mean, they start in the different units,
0: Well, let's let's just focus on your unit and how that breaks down. I would have
1: to pull up the regs. Okay. I know there was a hunt directly the week before mine Uh for bull. Okay. Um, I don't know... I don't know how many more hunts before that there was without looking.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Well, that's, that's, that's a fair stuff. I'm not going to call. So, it. But at least, at least this way, then you, you're not going to say something you weren't 100% confident. In, so, right. Which is anybody can ask for. It's like, I have no problem telling them. Like, I don't know 100%. You know, it's like, it's perfectly fine with me, man. Because nobody wants to have a listen to a know-it-all. And it's like, yeah, uh, I'm
1: definitely not that. Yeah. Neither am <laughs> I,
0: man. So that's why I'm asking you these questions. It's like, this is pretty exciting for me because it's like, I lived in Arizona. That's how you and I met uh what was a decade over a decade ago because let's see here Just about yeah yeah it was 2007 no actually it's 2007 uh, no it's 2008 when we had a chance to meet so it's we've known each other for 11 years and then i moved back to into the midwest in yep. 2009 because it's like i it was we're still re- dealing with the 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 the, the depression the micro depression the recession that we were going through during that time frame and it's like you know i had nothing going on i didn't have any kids i didn't have a a girlfriend or fiance (laughs) and so it's like well i decided to move back and i had my my parents my grandparents were getting older which i i I firmly believe that was probably a really good decision for me to do that but it's like i still miss arizona it's like and uh I was looking at options for that, but I have, with my daughter, it's like I don't want to be that far away yeah. to be to, to not to be around in her in her life, and especially like she's really taken a knacking her knack to um, archery oh, and uh, fishing too. So it's like you know I don't want to give up that option for her because it's like I'm not it's I'm, it's all organic and it's like I, I have to. Be around there to provide that influence because I tell her like once she starts getting a little bit older and start painting, I can tell you what the rocks get bigger if you know how to flay a fish and skin a deer. And guess what? Yeah. It's like you get to be a little bit more picky than some of those school uh, those those yuppies in in uh, in town. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. And that's uh, if you're a hunter, you know I, I kind of see that as a father's dream to mm-hmm. be able to go out and, and harvest that first buck or you know whatever the case is with your kid mm-hmm. and um you know having my daughter that's her whole room is deer theme oh nice um so you know we have we have you know, my wife found a really cool picture it says something like you know instead of instead of uh sheep i count antlers or something like that at oh, night Oh, very cute we, very cute we found uh you know kind of a sh- a shoulder mount stuffed animal oh interesting um okay so you know we did we did the whole room up that way uh you know my my wife supported me in, in finding as much, uh, girl, baby camo that I, I possibly can. And she's, uh, she's worn real tree since pretty much day one, <laughs> you know, some, some sort of camo. And, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> I, I look forward to that day that I, I can go out there with her and, and hopefully glass up that first buck with her and, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully see her harvest something bigger than I ever had a chance to, mm-hmm. um, It's, it's really cool. Some of the things you can do with uh, the point system and and the tags in Arizona that I've been doing some research on Mm -hmm. that I got, got turned on to by my actual taxidermist. Okay. That, um, if you, if you don't actually put in for an application, but you buy points. Okay. So every year, you know, you can say, Hey, I actually want a tag or no, let me just buy a point. Okay. And save those points up to increase your odds for some of the more premium hunts. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, hopefully getting up to the Kaibab where you got some of those trophy muleys. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you can do so. But if you want to gift that tag, only really opportunity you can do Mm -hmm. is to a direct bloodline descendant. Okay. Who is a minor between 10 to 17 years old
0: unique i didn't know that no i did not know that see now in wisconsin where i primarily hunt is that they recently dropped the hunting age down to zero so it's up wow. to the the uh parent discretion which is okay it's like i discussed this with uh dave Snooty here a couple days ago and we we're we're going back and forth on it because that's a lot of of uh growing up for a child to do and it's like some kids are ready for it some kids aren't which I appreciate the state mm-hmm. that doing that because it allows us to put the the uh, energy into our children, and, and if, and if it, they organically want to go after it at an early age, and, and, they're, and they're following, they're they're listening to what you're telling them to do. They're reading stuff. They're doing it. It's like and if they want to go out hunting at the age of six, they're like, they're, well, they're not going to be sent alone. Yeah. But it's like I'll put I'll put them in a situation where. She if she wants to go out hunting this fall, I will gladly set the tr- the ground blind with her. I won't put her in a tree stand, not not yet. Yeah, and 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 let her pull a trigger and see what her feelings are are behind it. You know, because uh, I won't get her. Uh, she won't. She's not strong enough to pull a bow back yet. Okay, the thought has crossed my mind about crossbow because Wisconsin, you can be any age without any uh, uh, just ailments. Ailments, yeah, exactly. And so it's it's one of those things. What I just judge it. I'll see where she's at because she's comfortable with seeing a deer hanging and drying okay. but watching it expire that's a whole other ball game and Like she's watched me play fish she's watched fish uh, flop stuff like that as mm-hmm. as I fly, not necessarily flay them as they're live but I, I watch them expire and so forth that hasn't triggered anything yet so it's like i just don't want her to need a safe space at the age of seven you know what i mean right you know and, and go into psych and go into psychological. because it's like i'm using uh, adult words that she can't understand <laughs> and I, anyways it's enough talk no, enough uh that well you, I you get bring
1: up you bring up a great point with that mm-hmm. though and the way i was raised you know we we had uh we would buy a pig you know every year a couple of years and raise okay. it you know we we had about an acre. Uh, well, that's right, because you were telling me
2: earlier today
0: that you were in FFA. So why don't you tell us some of that? How that influenced you too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's um, you know, growing up, we we would uh, we didn't have enough to you know really have steers or anything like that, but we, mm-hmm. we had enough land that we could have a pig, and it didn't tear up the the property too bad. And then you know when it got big enough, after okay. you know about a year or so, mm-hmm. we would call the local butcher to come in, and they they would do everything right on the property.
2: Okay.
0: Um, now, did you, did you get to watch or participate while he prepped when, the slaughter?
1: When I was real young, no. Okay. But I understood what the point of that animal was.
0: Okay, it's food, not a pet. Right.
1: And, you know, I was taught from a young age to respect the animal. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the life that we were able to give it was better than what it would have gotten if it was something that was going to wind up in a shelf in Walmart. Fair enough. Um, you know, so, so you got this appreciation from it, but not an attachment to it per se.
0: Ah, fair enough. Um,
1: and then, yeah, my, my older brother, he did FFA and, uh, you know, raised, raised, uh, livestock pigs for Mm -hmm. for fair. And Mm -hmm. I got into it in high school and did it all four years. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I would raise, uh, a pig there usually that my parents and one of their friends would buy and split and we'd fill our freezer that way. Okay. And then I'd raise, you know, one or two pigs for, for the different fairs, uh, there in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you get taught to appreciate the animal and take care of it. And, but at the end of the day, you know, it's going into a freezer.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's that's good to understand that uh, whole philosophy behind it because I always I always raised that way too because my my put it this way my dad's old enough to actually have an outhouse and not have okay. running water and but it's like he, re- he grew up in rural Iowa but he he spent time out in California and stuff like that and he made the decision when he years ago it's like if I'm gonna be poor I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go live in Iowa or at least this way I can be above broke but uh, <laughs> I get it though it's like he, he it's he showed us the value my brother and i the value of like this this animal is put here for us to consume right. and so it's like we he, he demonstrated through pheasants through to squirrel to white tail and, and then anything else like uh, we never ate like um gophers or our beavers or porcupines or anything like that but you know it's just something like that it's i don't think it's like the, the lack of curiosity i think i just don't think you, you just Didn't know how to prepare it. And you just, you you didn't want to put the energy into something that's going to taste bad anyways. It's like, I get it. It's, 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 it is a learning curve when you're like, you're preparing. It's like, but you, I wouldn't want to eat skunk. Skunk could be a difficult one. It's like, I'll, I'll pass on that one. But, um, now how long was your hunt for your elk in 2017? A week. A week. Okay. So So that,
1: that's pretty standard. You know, if you get, mm -hmm. if you're not doing over the counter, which is really just exclusive to archery for the most part. Okay. And you go through basically the lottery system and get drawn for a tag. Okay. The standard is a week.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I I
1: can't tell you there might be some that you get an extra day or two, but in my everyone I've been drawn for, that's what you got.
0: Fair enough. And so then, 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 so what? um, What? What was the most valuable lesson you learned during that hunt?
1: Uh. Perseverance.
2: Okay.
1: You know, just getting up every morning at. mm -hmm. At 4 a.m. again, even though, you know, whether it was seven degrees or, or, you know, whatever the case was, which I know here from my experience in uh, Minnesota this past week, that seven degrees is is a nice, uh, nice, almost summer day. It seems like. No kidding. But uh, it, for for us, Arizonans, that is cold. Um, so
0: that's very true. But then again, you guys are coming up here where your your blood is thinned out and then trying to be able to be comfortable it's like i could i could like if you want to come hunting this this fall like during uh, september and october that makes sense but when it gets to november when it starts getting real cold i wouldn't want to risk you getting sick or getting pneumonia because your your blood hasn't um created that uh, that thickness where you were like it's like and plus it's like when you have so much things you're so much what you're responsible for you don't want to jeopardize your daily your day-to-day because it's like it's, it's fun, it's exciting, but you, you have people that count on you and not only your family, but also at work, too. Now, yeah. let's move on to your muley hunt of 18. That's when you you harvested your, your yes. muley, right? Okay. Yes.
1: So um, <clears throat> that one was uh, you know the same buddy that uh, we had hunted together a year before. Okay. Um, we had put in this time together on the same application. Okay. So you can put in two, with up to four people on one application. If you get drawn, everybody gets a tag.
0: Oh, wow. that's would uh, that's be, be a very exciting, uh, a fun time.
1: Yes. So he uh, his wife is into hunting as well, so we've, we put in the three of us. Okay. So we all three had tags. And then um, through one of the bigger hunting groups there, he made friends with another guy who had a tag for him and his uh his daughter who i believe was uh, 16 okay uh 15 16 mm-hmm. but um so we had five five tags total wow for the camp okay um so had a a lot to, a lot of meat to get and started putting in the work and he he did a great job of getting out there him and his wife and and doing a lot of camping out there and a lot mm-hmm. of scouting and i had you know a few opportunities to get out there and and go check out that area and we were okay. we were starting to find some some good deer here or there and see some bucks um but all those areas kind of changed on us once the hunts actually started and they unleashed you know 500 other people mm-hmm. on the unit as well
0: oh wow so you had a lot of you had a lot of competition but it's that's- a lot that's the the unique thing about uh, public lands. See, you, you're lucky out there. See, being here in the Midwest, we don't have that opportunity. It's like we're we're falling back into our, our, our British counterparts, really, where they want to sell off all the the uh, public lands to benefit whatever benefit the one percent. You know, mm-hmm. which we are our, our foundation of our public lands was not to repeat what our parents did. We went away from our parents to come to America to do what we want to do. And guess what? We're doing. We're doing yeah. right back to what they're doing too. Now, um, but that's good. So now, out of the... You said five people went along, right? Correct? You had five yes. tags? Who... Out of all those tags, who all, Did everybody fill a tag? Fill a tag?
1: Unfortunately, no. Okay. Um, I I tell my buddy, I, I feel like I almost have, like, survivor's guilt or something. Oh. Uh, because I was the only one who actually filled my tag. No kidding. So we... Uh,
0: was that just because of the lack of seeing the animals or just nothing you guys felt were, 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 were like right time to be harvested.
1: Um, a degree of decision-making and just, it wasn't for a lack of trying. It's just how, how, how it played out. Mm -hmm. Um, we were, we were splitting up and going, uh, me and my buddy Justin would go out for, Our scouting session or, you know, glassing session to go try to find something to put a stock on and Mm -hmm. and get the job done. Okay. And then, uh, the other guy who wound up joining our group, Robert, he would go out with my buddy's wife and his daughter. Okay. Um, and they weren't doing as aggressive of hikes. Mm -hmm. Um, but Robert has hunted out there for, you know, multiple seasons. He, he's a lot more familiar with the area. um, Okay. He's had a lot of success out in that area, mm-hmm. um, so we were hoping that he could put the girls on on, on Some bucks, and mm-hmm. I know some of his decision making. I, I believe they they found some bucks here or there, but it was more important for him to put his daughter and uh, my buddy's wife first mm-hmm. on getting their deers before he yeah. was going to put a, a stock on.
0: I which I completely get, I completely get at it as a husband and a father or soon to be husband i get the the, yeah. the idea behind it because you know how nice it is because it's like as, as i get older it's like I, I if i don't fill my tag i'm not angry about i'm not angry with myself i got to spend time in god's green earth to go out right. there and enjoy the be in the here now type scenario. it's like i want to be here now it's like i want to be out there and it's like listening to all the squirrels and the birds and like seeing what ones are still hanging around that haven't moved south yet it's like it's just, it's just so much fun, especially when you get to see your your daughter and your wife get to harvest something. Because then it ensures it, it them to like, I get to go hunt next year because right. they got they had fun. If they have fun, I always have fun.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's what's cool, you know, especially about him is every year it's it's he puts his daughter first.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if they're gonna both harvest one, she gets the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, if they only harvest one, she's the one who took it. You know, Fair it's, enough. it's he's willing to put the work in, but he, he wants to make sure. Yeah, it's cool to kind of what we're talking about earlier is, you know, it's cool to harvest one yourself, but to be able to see your child do it, Mm -hmm. you know, that was... Kind of came off to me as the ultimate thrill to him.
0: Yeah, no kidding. It's like it's like um, you don't have to give me anything for Christmas or Father's Day. I'm good. I'm good for this year. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly happy. I'm so proud. <laughs> it's like how about just the money you're gonna spend on for my birthday and right. Christmas and Valentine's Day and Father's Day? Why don't you put that towards points in six different states? How's that sound? Does right. that sound like a fair trade.
1: <laughs> so, and then you know my buddy Justin, we were going out together, and he's um. He's done some a number of hunts in Texas, like I said, and, mm-hmm. and uh, he's harvested his buck that he has on his wall that, you know, is a beautiful buck. And um, usually when he goes out there, he's more focused on does because it's more about getting the meat than getting the trophy. So he's, he's shot a number of deer. He's not harvested a muley deer in Arizona. I gotcha. But for him, you know, I'm, I'm thankful because you, you go and talk to hunters, and, and when you're when you're co-hunting, there's always that point of like, guess what? I just glassed up. Mm-hmm. Who's going?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you know, we we talked about it ahead of time, and there was no question about it. He he looked at me, and he's like, hey, this is your first big game animal period. If we find something, you're going first.
0: Fair enough. Well, that's nice. Something to be that considerate, you know, because plus that good karma comes around because they may have because they did were they successful in nineteen? Well, well did, they, did they get drawn? I should say.
1: uh time will tell.
0: Oh, that's right. No, I'm sorry. Uh, that's right. Because that's right. Because we we still because when do the results be get released?
1: Um. So we just put in for elk, and I believe <clears throat> the application process ends on the twelfth. Off the top of my head. So of March or February? Of February. Okay, that's so that, the deadline There's still time quick. to put in for for mm-hmm. elk and and speed goat and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. results typically mid March, and that'll be for elk.
0: Oh wow! So that's not. So that's the time we'll tell when it, when it breaks down. So hopefully the good karma that they put you on at eighteen will set you will set them up right. for nineteen. You know, it's like I could see why uh, uh, Randy Newberg has such a big. Uh, excitement when he has a new hunter coming on or something like that. It's like he's 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 got to live a lifestyle that most people dream of. But it's like I tell you what that man worked hard. He worked very, very hard for us it's like, you know, discipline equals freedom as as the good old Jocko O'Link would like to say. And yes. That's that's good. Good. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse
1: me. So um, <clears throat> he's been ha- he's been getting out there and getting after it still with uh, over the counter Mm-hmm. and archery and um <clears throat> going back to the same unit we were in before Oh, gotcha but during during that hunt so we we went out the first couple days and we would see some here or there okay and we weren't seeing bucks necessarily we we're seeing more does which in arizona yeah you, you don't have any option for hunting does now every, what's, everything's bucks
0: now when you went on hunting uh this past fall in, in 18 what time of year did you go was that in september october it november? was november november okay so it was so, the
1: uh week leading up to uh thanksgiving thanksgiving was my last day
0: okay that i
1: had to fill the tag.
0: and so then during this time frame is the rut over with then or pre-rut Pre. oh really so when does the rut kick off then is it is it in december then
1: from my understanding, yes. Okay. From your
0: understanding, because it's like, it's, it's, you're still learning about everything. I yes. wouldn't know. It's like, I know what the rut is for whitetail. I wouldn't know about muley because it's like, I've heard different things from, from those hunting shows I've seen. And I just, I don't want to assume what, what, because I don't know. I don't know what section you're hunting in. So it's like, are you what unit you're hunting. In, so it's like, we're going to keep that off the air.
1: No worries. Yeah. Um, like I said, I got a lot to learn about the, the behaviors of those animals and, and the ins and outs. Uh huh. Um, they, the, the deer that I got, he was starting to let off a pretty strong scent from his glands. I understand and that they
0: get pretty musky when, 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 when they start rotting it gets pretty strong. It's yeah. like, I've, I've the, the, buck I harvested in 17, he didn't really have a strong musky smell to him. But then again, when I, when I, when the following day when I actually found him, well, actually when I got permission to go on the person's property. I didn't have a really strong musky okay. odor, so it's like maybe I should. Because when I when I actually started pulling the the, uh, the hide off, I saw they had a lot of fat still left on. And usually, when they've got done with the rut, they're pretty lean. Yeah. They're pretty tired. They, they 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 try to look for sanctuary. So it's always a learning. It's always something new to get to find out about what to do. Because like for me, it's like when I go for doe hunting, I like to do I like to go after them in the in between before the rut because it's like you know after the rut. Kind of give them a free pass because if they got pregnant, it's like I am not gonna, I'm not gonna play a role in that. I want to make sure that she able to carry to full term because it's like I want to maintain my herd. while on top of that, providing proper uh, ethics too. So it's like it's mm. one of those things where it's like I just want I want them if, if they if they, if the if uh, the seed took. I want to see if it was something blossom from it, and especially like I, I like to see the lineage continue growing because it's the cool thing about hunting a property or a unit for several years. You get to see stuff mature over the course of time. You know, it's just That's but the awesome. but the unique thing. Uh, like, well, I hunt prim- primarily. Uh, I hunt both public and private, and so I just kind of pay attention to what I can what I can influence directly, or at least try to try to provide something for them. So this way, they can hopefully I have an opportunity the next year to harvest them. So. Of course, public—you like never know what's going to happen with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would like to get the opportunity to try to hunt the same unit in a couple of years and see if we can find some of that going on. But uh-huh. there's there so many different variables and different seasons out there between archery and rifle that mm-hmm. it's hard to say if I'll really be able to follow any type of lineage stuff out there. But fair enough, that's I, un-
0: perfect, perfectly understandable. So now, when you shot your Mule, how far out were
1: you when you pulled the trigger? Um roughly about 240 yards
0: okay so that's so, that's you know that's that's like kind of like a a uh, a good range for seven millimeter like this seems like like good rifles 200 yards 240 250 seems to be a very um hot spot formally they're very flat you don't have to worry about they going up or down you just got to pay attention to the wind
1: yeah so that's um we got into probably our glassing spot around six 6 30 ish you know uh, trying to get there right before the sun goes up okay that makes sense um you know sat on the spot till a little little after seven and mm-hmm. uh we we had found you know we started going back to this spot because we were seeing does there okay and after after two or three days of just all right well wasn't successful finding a buck here let's go to this spot let's go to this spot and just covering so much area Mm-hmm I credit it to my buddy, um, Justin, but you know, we had that realization of where we're leaving deer to find deer. Fair enough. We were finding every time we go to the spot, we would see does. Okay. But because there wasn't bucks there, we were getting discouraged and leaving. And Mm -hmm. it it just kind of, I don't know, light bulb moment where it's like, all right, we're seeing deer on a regular basis just because we haven't seen a buck. Mm-hmm. they're they they got to come through there sooner or later mm-hmm. he, you never
0: know it's like some of them some some uh bucks will go like well the, the doe will go into uh, uh estrus early and that's what you tend to uh hope for to be able to get the big monsters mm-hmm. i know a couple of years ago iowa shot this big old uh typical buck here uh october 28th or something like that and during the 27th season there's a lot of big bucks harvested before Halloween because of those were just hitting estrus early yeah. and it was, just, it was just kind of random chemistry that kind of sparked everything off and a lot of people connected
1: yeah so we um, you know the spot that we found it was you know green lighted public area mm-hmm. but it was right next to uh, a chunk of private all right. And there was no roads to get there. Okay. So the the only option you had was was hiking through um you know a couple of washes and hiking back to it and you get into mm-hmm. this beautiful opening, right? Okay. And uh on one far end of the opening, there's a big, you know, water tank. So okay. because all that even though it's public, they Lease out all the land for for farmers to be able to run cattle on. Mm-hmm. So you do have to be careful because there, there's a lot of you know pretty much free ranging cattle out there that are living off the land as well.
0: Oh, I I can understand that.
1: um And so the deer take advantage of a lot of the man made water holes. So you you know when we did a lot of pre scouting via Onyx and Google, okay, we're like ah man, there's not a lot of water out here. We just got to find a good water hole. We'll be good. Okay. And we get out there and you're like, oh man, there's water everywhere out here.
0: Oh, so it's Big. like you can't just pick on one spot. You gotta, you gotta constantly be glassing. Like, well, there's, we checked this one, nothing coming through. We right. gotta move the next one. And you can't really put up cameras because it's like the runner risk of somebody, something coming up missing. Something getting sticky fingers. Right. I know it's, it's I hate to say it, but it's like we are our, our worst enemy when it comes down to. Because I know up here in public land, so true. there's people that will get frustrated because people will steal their stands, their cameras. You know, I've heard some people on. Uh, I have a. There's a guy I know. His name's Eric that runs the Where to or Where to Hunt podcast in for Wisconsin. And there's some people, some guests that he's had on there. It's like they, they'll they'll take a they'll take a cardboard, they write the numbers, like hey, call me. Like, let me know what's going on because maybe they said like they're both hunting. It's like, why don't we work yeah. together? He, he's actually came to a point where he actually created his own app. So it's called the Where to Hunt app. You can download on ISO and uh, Android. If you log into it, people can see where you're at. And so it's like, instead of using it as a tool to um, hide, uh, hide from them, but it's like, but it allows them to, like, okay, well, he's there. The, the pin showed up at X, at X time. I was like, okay, well yeah. now I just like, well, I'll, I'll just avoid this spot. I'll go out of my way to avoid it because I don't want to ruin his hunt. But also on the, on the hindsight too, I could be walking in as a buck's walking towards me. I could push that buck right back to him. Yeah. So it's, it's 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 a price you pay. But it's like we're all here to be successful. You know, it's like why not help each other out? There's no sense of being, and we can be our own worst enemy, especially when they get tribal. If you're a traditional compound. Uh, rifle, muzzle loader, shotgun hunter, you know, they can be very credible, very mean. And it's like you you want to be kind to everybody because, like, for me, I don't care what you harvest the animal with. As long as you do it within the means of the regulations,
1: it's, I'm all for it. Go for it. Well, and it helps add a sense of safety, too, because nobody wants to... That's a good point. Nobody wants to be Dick Cheney's best friend. (laughs) Um, That's funny. So, you know, you you worry especially out there and when you're down in public land that that is really open okay um you know that person taking that 1200 yard shot while you're stalking in shooting over your head
0: that would be scary
1: you know i I haven't experienced that personally but i've heard of those type of stories and you Mm -hmm. know you you don't know all the time you know who's there sometimes you can find hunter on water type things where somebody leaves a sign behind Mm -hmm. you know okay like you said yeah let's let's go around this area or Mm -hmm. try not to put pressure on this area and be respectful but if you're if you're out in the middle of kind of nowhere out in the desert where you got a good clear line of sight there's not a lot to stop somebody from doing that
2: Mm -hmm. and Mm
1: -hmm. it may not be willful they they just may not know you're there
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, very true
1: So, I mean, like my, my deer, for instance, you know, like we were talking about is I actually, we glassed him up from a mile out. Okay. So, you know, it was glassing him up was just the start of the fun. And then, um, I had to cross that mile flat and and not, not spook him. And it was, it was a little bit of, okay, I need to be slow, steady, quiet that way. Mm -hmm, I I don't, mm -hmm. I don't spook him. Yeah. But I got a good distance that I need to cover, and I don't know how long he's going to stay there. True, very true. So <laughs> it was it was this really internal battle of how quick can I go, um, what's going to be the best uh, path to take. Okay. Because we we didn't really cross that valley ahead of time or, or that um, that wide opening because we, we didn't want to fill it full of our scent or anything like that and scare anything off. Mm-hmm. And it was it didn't look as far as it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start getting into, you know, we're like, oh yeah, that looks like it's, it's about 600 yards or this or that. And and mm-hmm. once you started covering the ground and just because of the different, just washes in it and whatnot, it, it was a lot more ground than visually what it appeared. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that helped me a little bit because I was able to kind of stay in those washes and try to try to do a quick jog through. And then when I come up, you know, I just get real slow and, and try to, look over until I crested over and be like all right am I still in a safe spot do I have some bushes or a cactus that are blocking my view from the deer Okay. So that way hopefully you don't see my movement
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, the other thing that I, I struggled with is I was getting bad readings with my my rangefinder mm-hmm. because um, I mean I don't know fully but my what I I perceived it being is I was in direct sunlight and you know my rangefinder, as well as i was having some issues with my scope is it was almost becoming a whiteout
0: Mm, from a glare from something yeah
1: because i i didn't have the um the shade extension for my scope Mm, mm -hmm. um and it was you know 8 a.m sun was coming up and it was just that perfect angle that where i you know the sun was directly behind the deer and i i was just getting way too much light i got you so I was getting bad readings trying to find something that I can really focus on with my rangefinder mm-hmm. and uh, once I finally got to a safe spot where I finally took my shot I had to reposition a couple of times and I was able to find a small shrub mm-hmm. that was casting a bit of a shadow that I was able to have it you know shade my scope and then from there I had a clear picture
0: very smart um, I like that I like that approach this way you're 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 ensuring your ethics of, of the shot and making sure it's going to be a good clean harvest
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know it was one of those. You, you hear people talk about things slowing down. Yeah, I, I'm sure I had a rush of adrenaline, but for me, it was it was kind of a job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I felt like there was a lot on my shoulders. You know, my buddy was staying behind. He was staying on glass to try to make sure if they took off somewhere that he can see what direction they're going and get to me, and we could try to go after him. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of stocking up with me, he, he stayed put. Which is smart in this way. Just, you they you, you,
0: you, you, they can lose you in the shadow, especially if the sun's coming behind them, or or or, 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 or if it's uh, if they're looking into the sun, you're not gonna they're not gonna be able to see you as visibly. And, right. Uh, if, if there's if there's a second person, you may give yourself a little, uh, like you almost like walking uphill in that situation.
1: Right. And I mean, he's freaking out at this point because I, I think he counted up like five or six bucks all at this water hole. Yeah, And, uh, you know, the one I got was, was a, a really, really nice buck, um, you know, by any standards, let alone my first. And he said that it wasn't even the biggest one out there. I gotcha. Um, but I, you know, I was able to get into, you know, more of a, a prone position on my stomach and, and get under the shade of that bush a little bit. And, okay. um, Gave me a clear view and, and this guy was just perfectly broadside, 240 yards out. And it was like, all right, this, if I'm going to harvest a buck, this, this is the one I'm meant to harvest.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. It's meant to be, it's meant to be, it's meant to be. It's like right. how it goes, you know? Um, cause I, I can remember well, cause I, I spent a lot of time calling and that's how I, I, I brought in a couple of bucks over the couple of years that I've been hunting. Some of them haven't been uh, worth taking, but the one I was able to harvest. Watching him crest over the hill at at forty yards, and it, t- and, it and it took me well over a half hour before I got him in range. But like for you, you had the ability to walk up on him, duck between the shadows, and try to figure out how to make sure it's like so that whole anticipation. So you're walking, so you're expelling energy, you're expelling the the an- adrenaline dump that's coming along with it too. And so by the time you were able to take the shot, you were actually pre- probably pretty calm at that point, or, or were you, or is your heart, heart mm-hmm. still in your throat?
1: Um, I mean. My heart wasn't in my throat, but, uh, you know, I, I could be in better shape oh, and, uh, a little
0: huffing and puffing.
1: Yeah. I mean that it, there was a, what are my limits? I know that I need to take a very precision, precision shot mm-hmm. coming up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was playing on my mind as well. And, uh, yeah, I shed as much weight as I could before I left my, I actually left my pack back with my, my buddy, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, proceeded with my rifle and, and my optics and mm-hmm. and my rangefinder to okay. try to go as light and quiet as possible makes sense. But uh, you know, I'm I'm light and quiet has never been my my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I I, I was uh, really focusing on trying to maintain my breathing and, okay. and maintain my heart speed and 100%. get up there. Yeah, and, I get that. And, you know, that's where that that weight on my shoulder of all right. I left him behind to this is our first opportunity. Yeah, you know, I, I had the excitement of I want to get my own. Okay. And I, I kinda had this uh feeling of obligation of of I didn't want to botch this opportunity when he let me go first type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so there there was a couple different things kind of just playing mentally. Mm-hmm. So I, I got down and, and just tried to take a couple breaths and and uh, remind myself that there's no rush and and uh rushing it and making a bad shot is gonna be a worse feeling and and fate more or less to me than taking my time making a good shot or taking my time and not getting a shot in.
0: I uh, yeah, I get I can get that hundred percent because I quit gun hunting because I just I didn't feel as adequate behind the behind the trigger. But then again, I didn't spend as much time behind the range, but the one once I got an archery is a whole nother ball game. But I get it hundred percent too. It's like I've lost deer I lost doe is because of a poor shot placement or it's like or i i didn't wait long enough yeah and luckily you haven't experienced that but i tell you what I man that is a heart wrenching feel because you feel horrible because now you've wounded this animal and you, and it's like you're gonna do all you can to track it down but it's like and sometimes you they just they get this um, wild hair and they just can run for miles and barely showing any blood so it's like yeah. it's when in doubt back out
1: So, yeah, you know, I took my time, took some good breaths, you know, Mm -hmm. made sure that I had my gun in a comfortable spot and I felt like I was, you know, Mm -hmm. um, ready for having it recoil straight back and make a good shot. And I knew that at that range, I was confident that Mm -hmm. I can hit vitals. You know, we really practiced, did I think I was going to hit perfect? And if it was a tiny little bullseye that I was going to hit every time, I'm not going to say I'm that good but I've taken enough time behind my gun that, you know, I that 8 to 12 inch kind of span from center of the heart where you got, you know, still a vital shot. Mm-hmm. I was comfortable and confident that I was going to put the shot there.
0: Smart. I, I, and, I get behind that. I, just, I understand completely because it's like we practice. like I've always learned you you whatever range you feel comfortable shooting, you double it. So this way then when you're doing the short shots, like I like – I I'm I feel I'm very confident shooting at 20 yards, so I, I double. Mm-hmm. I shoot at 40. I practice at 40 because this way then I feel good at. It. So now, if I was practice, if I was gonna feel comfortable at 40, I want to be shooting at 80. So this why I just feel that thing now. It's like if I was behind the uh, behind the trigger, I'd be looking at like 100 yards. I'd be practicing at 200 yards, you know. Right. But then again, at 200 yards or 100 yards, you're, the the bullet flies uh, more level at 200 yards. Where if I'm shooting at 100 yards, it's gonna shoot an inch up. So I just I gotta practice at those different ranges so you side in for 100 and then you just work a work around everything else after that right which is the way to go so it sounds like you had a lot of fun that hunt uh it,
1: it was a blast i mean I, i'm so so thankful for for harvesting that deer and mm-hmm. um you know he was a uh five by four
2: still a
0: monster still um, a monster mealy right there my friend
1: you know good size body you know mm-hmm. starting to kind of get that uh that uh that big neck and you know he he was he was a beauty my my uh first words out of my buddy justin's mouth when he got up to me and and saw it was you have nowhere to go but down from here (laughs) um and uh the other guy robert when he got up there he's like man i've been hunting this this unit for years and Mm -hmm. i've never taken anything more than a two by two out of here
0: I got you, but you know, it's, it's, it's hunting. It's, yeah. It's, it's not shooting. It's hunting for a reason. Now, uh, today was been a pretty epic, uh, uh, day. Cause today we, we, we hung up at, uh, here in Minnetonka and then we took off to a one archery in Hudson. So why don't you let me like fill in the blanks for me. Cause it's like my, my experience with a one archery and your experience be two different things. Cause like I have a little more background in archery, but how was your overall experience with, with, uh, being at the shop in, in Wisconsin?
1: Um,
2: it was, it was awesome, man.
1: It really was. Cause you know, you, you were up front with them and let them know that you're, you're chopping out some bows and you let mm-hmm. them know that I'm from out of town, mm-hmm. which, you know, some people may hear that and be like, why am I wasting my time? Yeah. Um, but they, they still took the time to try to give me a little bit of an education and, mm-hmm. and let me feel the differences in the bows. And uh, for me, you know, it's, it's a whole the concept makes sense, but it's a new set of terminology, a new set of mechanics, and mm-hmm. and a lot to learn mm-hmm. for that. And I don't feel like I got treated, you know, dumb, more or less, for, for not knowing.
0: Yeah, that's why you know, I took you there, because it's like, I've always had a wonderful experience from there. And the, the sales rep who worked with Tyler, he was just... Uh, a, a great guy to talk to because it's wealth like the knowledge wealth yeah exactly wealth knowledge. and that's the thing about that place it's just it's just it, they present themselves in such a professionalism it's just always fun to walk in there so like today we got the chance like i i went i wanted i was like i, I was looking for a 34 axle to axle and i wanted to shoot some of the best bows on the market so i looked at um hoyt's matthews and in like and that's it so i was looking in at that 35 34 33 to 35 um axle axle range and so first i shot the halon x felt great i thought it was a really impressive bow mm-hmm. then i shot the traverse and that's a 33 axle axle and that's like this shot really really nice and it's like you know i still got i should give hoyt a shot you know because I, I am not a, a brand person it's like i shoot what feels good to me whether the budget is sixteen hundred dollars or Four hundred dollars. It's like I want a comfortable bow. It's like see, th- as a hunter, we look at our weaponry as a tool. We ourselves are the weapons ourselves because we have the, bolt, the the opposable thumbs. And it's like that that uh, that Hoyt compared to the Traverse. It, it was it was completely different. It's like it felt two different things. Now, how do you how did you view all three? Especially this is the first mm-hmm. time shooting over a thousand dollar bow.
1: Yeah, the. um, you got to start with the Matthews, and mm-hmm. you know you you raved about them and how they felt, and uh, just standing there, I I didn't understand. Uh huh. I I couldn't understand, and you went through the Hoyt and started talking about how that one felt, and more or less, uh, I don't know if you called it the recoil, but you, you know, you...
0: it's it's the vibration of it from one it uh, uh, but, after once once a string hits the. Uh, the string stopped there. It's, right. That's what. That's what. That's what. Um.
1: But you compared it to almost a firearm. Mm-hmm, yeah. Just in its abruptness, and mm-hmm. you know they they handed the bow over to me, and the I started with the Hoyt, and I mean it.
0: it that was the RX3, by the way, for those who are wondering which one we shot. And it okay. was a 34 axle axle, and by all means, it's still a great bow. It's just it wasn't for me.
1: Yeah, and, and Tyler explained why. You know they they don't put sights on it because mm-hmm. they just want you to feel it. Mm-hmm. and it's it's all about does it feel right because mm-hmm. you're you just want to be comfortable and yeah you know, i shot it a couple times and and probably probably 10 times at least mm-hmm. and it was it was a cool bow mm-hmm. um but when i picked up the matthews uh i believe it was the traverse i went yes. to second yes and just feeling the smoothness and the difference like mm-hmm. that that was a click that was an aha moment for me of like Okay, suddenly I understand what you mean. Of mm-hmm. does it feel right? Mm-hmm. And that one, uh, it it was beautiful. I feel like I could have shot that bow all day.
0: Yes, that's that's the that's the best thing about it. That was at full max. It was at seventy pounds. I, I, I when you, when you're drawing back, I felt you struggle a little bit, which is perfectly fine. So it's like if you if you feel that the draw is not one seamless motion, that means you need to drop the poundage because this way, then you're going you're not going to hurt your muscles because I've right. seen people struggle drawing their bows back and it's like if you're doing that it can end up teaching your muscles incorrectly and things. and you don't want to develop bad habits so it's like there's nothing wrong starting at a lower poundage you're working your way up because in this way you have something to work for and the unique thing is most states require a 30 pound uh draw weight well recurves are right around the same amount but i mean they they can go as high as a a compound but just think about how the Indians put down big bull elks, and on top of that, too, buffalo with recurves and longbows. Like they All don't right. have the technology we have there. Now it's like so, but it's but it pretty putting in perspective, though it's like what you need to do. But it's like I'm glad you had a really good experience because now it's like you're looking at it's like now it's like you 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 got exposed to it. And I still recommend that you still shoot as much as you possibly can. Don't get don't don't forget the prime elite um, G5 uh, Bowtech uh, Diamond. There's a all or uh, yeah I
1: a lot yeah bear
0: yeah. too. It's like but um, just shoot them all, see what you like. But oddly mm. enough, you'll probably find yourself probably going back to traverse. That's what what happened right. with me because like when I bought my first bow, my first point, I got a Factor of 34. Love the bow by all means, but then I end up doing repetitive work and I end up having uh, problems with my left elbow. So I was like, well, I had to switch to something that I found. I found the Elite Impulse 31. I will highly recommend that bow to anybody as well both of them but it's just one of those things where it's like it's just right time right place and it's like i i'm really i think Uh i'm going to be switched to a matthews it's like it it felt great and it's like the unique thing about it. it's like i didn't feel the need i had to put a stabilizer on it
1: yeah i feel like the the going from the hoyt to the matthews was was a night and day difference Mm mm-hmm uh, but going from the traverse to um,
0: the Hale and X, that was the other, that was the last bow you shot.
1: Yeah. The feel of it wasn't as different, mm-hmm. you know, the smoothest, as far as the, the draw, the release, you know, mm-hmm. the mechanics of the bow felt close to the same, mm-hmm. but Tyler took the time and, and kind of described the difference of how they changed the grip mm mm-hmm. uh, through the traverse and just something that small i feel like i did lean towards you know the comfort of that bow more mm-hmm. in my hand and you know how i was able to just be a little more comfortable with it and, and just where my my wrist sat and locked etc when i was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know holding the bow so it's it makes a lot more sense to me now mm-hmm. well, i need to go experience as many bows as possible but yes i, I I feel like I had a real kind of light bulb or aha moment today, you know, mm-hmm. picking those up because in Arizona, if you want to hunt every year, the only way that's possible is you got to get into archery sooner or later.
0: Very true. And which is, and the nice thing is too, it's like, you can still fill in your time with small game, but it's like, if you want to have access to, to be able to get up after muleys and, uh, and uh, sheep or elk or Buffalo too, because you also have a Buffalo season out there. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's not cheap by any means. Even a resident's expensive. But like you have that now. You have an idea. You have a, you have a baseline to figure out what you want to go with and how you want to spend. Because it. it's like you can find some really good deals out there, and don't and don't feel bad. It's like if you can't afford the twelve hundred bucks, it's like what I did, and I recommend this to anybody. It's like you find the bow you want, and then you start looking and you start doing your research on your sites. Right. And so what I did is I, I really I really like the H H A, and I really like the one the 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 point oh one nine uh, uh um. Pin side. And I was like, I felt really, I felt really comfortable with it. Cause it was easy for my eyes to focus on it. And then with the, then go with, the, uh, I prefer a Lynn driven. And you, you heard Tyler break it down that the, the consistency, that's the first thing that lets go. It's why it drops down. It's like, and then I follow the same thing that John Dudley does. It. I mean, this guy is somebody to listen to. And it's like, I pay attention to that stuff, you know, yeah. because it's like, if he's having success with it and he recommends it, it's like, I should give it a shot. Now, String driven just is just as fine too. It's like it's whatever you feel comfortable with. By all means, it's like you get what's in your budget. But what I did is I, I bought each thing throughout the course of a year. So I started with my release, and then it's like then I bought my uh, then I bought my site, and then I bought my my uh, down. Like unique thing is too. It's like you don't have to switch sites. It's like there's people yeah. want to buy all these different sites. Like by all means, go for it. But it's like you can keep the same one. You can, and it's like not really gonna change from one. Yeah. up to the next, dude, that's like,
1: a, but it I, all comes down can to your eyesight. See, I can see with bows, just like so many of the other things within the sport is, um, you can really get lost in the, the paralysis of the analysis. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. so many different options that, uh, you know, when I, even when I built my rifle out to kind of compare it to that, it's like, all right, what's a want, what's a need, mm-hmm. what will get me by for a couple seasons? seasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't have the best of scope right now for my rifle. It holds zero. It's clear enough. Mm-hmm. It did a great job on my deer. Yeah. Do I need to go buy, you know, a two thousand dollar optic right now because I want to upgrade it and have a better mm-hmm. kind of user experience? I gotcha. When it's, it, you know, I'm sure it's kind of the same thing with Bose too. Is you can get lost in so much of those details. Mm. Where at what point? Getting lost in those—is it stopping you from getting into it at all?
0: That's that's a good point too. It could be overwhelming. It could be very intimidating at, at times.
1: Yeah. So that that's something I think I kind of took away from today too, because some of the stuff that Tyler said, the guy—I mean—he's so smart, and, and he was talking more to you in those times mm-hmm. where you were able to pick up a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And it was some of it was a whole other language for me.
0: Yeah, it it is it, it's it, it's it's tricky. Your first couple of years, like when I was getting into, into archery, learning all the terminology, so I don't sound like a complete idiot. <laughs> it, it takes a it takes a few moments, but then you start listening to different podcasts that really promote archery, and then also break down in and technology wise. And you start reading things more, and you, you start seeing yeah. the consistent language. So this way, it's like it's see once you learn the vocabulary, everything's downhill. It's like. Especially when you're picking up a firearm, from grain to weight to accuracy to um, scopes to stocks to what's going to be. And once you learn all that stuff, then it's all downhill from there. Yeah. And then you, once you buy, it's like you're good to go. It's like I have, I have, I have firearms myself. That I have a 19, oh, like 60 Mo, Mossberg four ninety five A, and it shoots like a champion. It kicks like a freaking mule, no. but boy, it's but it's designed as a turkey gun, and, and it works great. But I've uh, once I got it from my uncle, it's like once he told me the lineage behind it, like it's dropped uh animals in Arizona, New Mexico, Minnesota, and Iowa. So and then it's like then once I once I uh switched to bow, I retired it and it's like it's still it's still ready to rock. Roll the wrong, but I'm not gonna mm. get, it's just I don't have any need to shoot anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean I I have a uh old savage twelve gauge that mm-hmm my grandpa gave me that belonged to his grandpa.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, you know, same thing. I, I, it doesn't have the history of the animals per se, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I've, I've taken that gun out a number of times and just had a good time with, you know, uh, clays or just, you know, just general desert fun that we can find out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sits in the gun safe more than anything now or it's, you know, I'll never get rid of it. Mm-hmm. it it's got so much sentimental value, but it's like it's, it's, it's
0: kind of like our own uh, form of inheritance. Like yeah. we we pass down this thing because it's like this provided food for me and so on and so forth yeah. from X, Y, and Z. And it's like it's, it's great to be able to have that. And um, whether you have a, a son or a daughter, it's like it's just teaching them that sent that that value behind it. It's like if, if things get bad, you can you can always learn how to provide for yourself. And that's kind of like why a lot of us hunters really like doing it because it's like we learn to provide for ourselves instead of having to be fed or, or being or being provided for. It's like it right. creates that self-reliance that it's it allows us to have that uh, that confidence, especially when you're starting a family or even on your own.
1: And it, it's you know, you talk to people whether they're hunters or not, you know you meet people who love food. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you were talking about this earlier um, about a cooking experience for two. Mm-hmm. Where, where you went to, you know, they were trying to sell you dishes or uh, pans. Yeah, cookware, yes. More or yes. less, but, uh, you know, they, they they taught you to cook something, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and then also, they, and, they, they showed us the value of why you want to have a a good cookware, like whether it be Cast Iron right. or this particular brand because Teflon is nasty stuff. Man. That's <laughs> na- After a little bit, yeah. it's like, we well, and I when we got home after that, we threw away all of our anything that had Teflon in it. We got rid of it because uh, I'd love what to. we learned I'd, about it. I
1: don't know if my wife would let me, but I'd love to throw away Teflon away. But Well but. once
0: once like if you if there's an opportunity to have somebody set you down with them and then and the sales rep tells you about behind it, it's like it'll be eye opening, especially oh, yeah. like once you once you put it in perspective of your daughter's health, that's that's when things start really resonating and it's like and yeah. after that, it's like all we, uh, my place, we have s- several different sizes of cast iron yep. and there's, these cast iron pieces are older than we are. <laughs> and so it's like, it, it's crazy. Well,
1: you know, I, I have a pan that belonged to my grandma. That's, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a 10 inch cast iron, mm-hmm. beautiful cast iron, you know, glass smooth. It's a great pan, mm-hmm. but you know, I even went out and just bought a, uh, a lot of the various sizes mm-hmm. from Walmart. Mm-hmm. The, the Ozark trail cast irons and mm-hmm. they don't have the same finish, but they still cook great. Honestly. True. And mm-hmm. I rather use that and cook cast iron every single day for every single meal. than some of those Teflon.
0: That's very pans. true. Yeah. Like and, but, t- and today we, we, we cooked a pretty good meal. It's like, I, I, I fried up, uh, today I cooked, um, Phil here, some whitetail along with some sauger and bluegill. And I cooked my, my, our host here, uh, his uh and, and his wife was just her stomach was feeling weird so it's like well i get it you know it's like if you if, if you don't want to become sick especially when you're pregnant you know it's like you i get it but it's like it's, it turned out delicious it was man great. it was really good food i mean it took us um till nine o'clock to yeah. eat and but it's like you know you got to get after it, brother
1: and that's you know that Kind of going back to that that class you took, you know how many other couples were in that class?
0: There was uh, one, two, three, four,
1: four, four other couples. Four, four other couples. And I don't get to see you enough, but I'm guessing that you probably found out one or two of them, or none of them were hunters.
0: Actually, all of them were. Okay. all more because it's like I was not the only one wearing all the men were wearing camo. And it's like every one of them had that that uh, cancer causing dip in the back of their pockets. Like, you know, you can probably spend more spend more money on your hunting if you stop chewing.
1: Yeah, that that might be a different podcast. But I've heard some rumors about uh, deer actually being attracted to uh, some dip spit. That's
0: uh, you know I it's a, I've heard some interesting stories from some of the old dogs about like diesel fuel wood dust uh, it's it's weird and what deer will find attractive right. to them and I don't know
1: if anybody's ever done any tests but there, there's plenty of superstitions around it yeah
0: exactly it's like Uh-oh. you know and the worst part is like once something works you're gonna try to repeat it every, every year. single year because it's like it worked once right. so like, let's see what happens again
1: but it's I mean just how your your face just lit up right there when we, <laughs> we talked about. Okay, who are the other couples there? Mm-hmm. Were they hunters? Mm-hmm. You know, the excitement that you had. Mm-hmm. If they weren't hunters, you probably would have had still an amazing experience around food. Yes. And the cool dynamic of, of being a hunter mm-hmm. and being able to invite people into your home, especially the non-hunters, mm-hmm. and feed them that meal, mm-hmm. it, it adds a different... Uh, intimacy and reverence for that meal mm-hmm. uh, my mom for instance came came out a couple weeks ago and told her that hey I'm, I'm gonna make some deer burgers okay and uh, you know I, I I did cut them with with uh, beef fat so okay. that way it wasn't you know overly lean meat mm-hmm. and she's like I'll try them but I've had venison before and I don't like it mm-hmm. I'm like okay okay you, you haven't had this deer. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she ate that whole burger like no hesitation mm-hmm. and loved it.
2: I
0: always and, I think it comes down to like the, the person that's pre- preparing it because like I've heard that too or like I, like I've had like I was telling you earlier uh, earlier summer I had when I was preparing some of the venison up and I had a couple people like absolutely hate it but it's like man the way you cooked it tastes so good and it's and I cooked uh, some shish kebabs up and uh, Amanda Pine she runs the uh, deer recipes. On Instagram and stuff like that, and, and she actually ended up featuring my uh, recipe because it's, okay. it's really straightforward, very easy to go. But boy, is it good! It's you know? delicious. And the best part is when you, when when you know you did your job right. Is when you have dough left over, if you have nothing left over,
1: I mean, it was important for me though for for her to taste the deer. Mm-hmm. So I mean, other than a little bit of pepper and a little bit of garlic salt, mm-hmm. it, it, the deer the deer stood out on its own. Yes, and uh, you know it, it could be the the who cooked it as far as the excitement i had the joy that i had to mm-hmm. serve that meal compared to a, you know a non-hunter getting a couple pounds of ground venison from a hunter friend and bring it home and feeding it to his family cuz there's not going to be that same introduction mm-hmm. um but just you know seeing seeing her open her mind and try that meal was was awesome and inviting other people over and and cooking those meals, um, I think, I, yeah, I told you about how me and my buddy, you know, took the heart mm-hmm. of my deer, which, you know, I don't know, honestly, a lot of people that I have hunted with who, who don't leave that in the gut pile. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the best pieces of meat I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time he cooked heart too at the same time. So we're going through it together and learning
2: uh-huh.
1: and it, it doesn't, the experience doesn't stop in the field. Nope. Every time you go to that freezer and you pull that animal out, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: You, you remember that time in the field. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky enough to have somebody who wasn't part of that or who's a non-hunter, you get to kind of ex- share that excitement with them mm-hmm. and open their mind up to it a little bit, which is going to help us with conserving our rights to be hunters, which mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day is one of the most important things that we can do right now.
0: Yes. And then the top of that too, like there's, there's a, Different programs out there throughout the country where you can you can pick up donated meat for the, for the, the feed the, the hungry and stuff like that the people that are are unable to or that don't have the, the luxury like they don't they can't afford food themselves you know it's mm-hmm. like a, there's always a way to find venison and it, the best part is is like it's like you, you you get to share something that's never that you never have to worry about the FDA recalling because <laughs> I've never heard of venison being recalled before.
1: Uh, I, I haven't heard of that problem either, and uh, God willing, we never will.
0: The way you talk about um, what was it pigeons, right? It's like you, yeah. I like. I want to get after some pigeons this fall and <laughs> it's like that sounds pretty good. Because it's like, especially at the bag limit on on uh, in certain uh, in certain states, limit, It'd be good yeah. to be able to do that. It's like be able to have the variety of meat. Now, uh, you can you from I, I learned this from another old hunter that uh, you, you you can do the same thing what you do with fish. As you do with them, you know how I, you saw my bag of fish that was completely submerged in water. Well, uh-huh. that that creates a half life of almost two years. Uh, okay. before you takes have all to the oxygen it. out. Exactly, and well, you do the exact same thing with poultry too. You you take your the, the duck, goose, uh, turkey, and that stuff. You you fill a, a bag with water and it freezes it. Mm-hmm. You freeze it, well, it, it's going to be able to do it, and you don't have to worry about freezer burn. And it, and it allows you to have the half life of two years to be able to and I still enjoy it. And okay. that's, that's what's nice. So like for you, it's like you come in an abundance of, of, um, pigeons. It's like now you can start stockpiling this and saving it up as you go. Cause like you said, there's like the, the bag limit is continuous and or uh, the season is pig-
2: continuous. Uh,
1: there, there's not technically a season on them mm-hmm. cause they're, they're a nuisance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can, you can go out for a pigeon shoot whenever you want. <laughs> um, I mean, you gotta be good enough to identify it ahead of time, whatever the case is, but there's, there's no limit on, on pigeons. Um, as well as Eurasian collared doves, Mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, they're, they're a beautiful bird and they're absolutely delicious. (laughs) Um, you know, it's, it's to me, both instances, I couldn't tell the difference of a morning dove from a Eurasian dove from a pigeon sitting on a plate other than Mm -hmm. the size. Okay. You know, once you have it all breasted out and you make up your, your jalapeno poppers or, Mm-hmm. bacon wrapped uh, pigeon breast, whatever the case, you know, whatever you do mm-hmm. once it's on the plate, you give me somebody who can tell the difference and I'll be amazed because they they look the same. They got the same texture, the same, really the same taste in my opinion, because mm-hmm. the, the pigeon from the research that I've done is, is part of the dove family and is mm-hmm. commonly known as a rock dove. Okay. So, um, you know, that, that's something that, I, I found a lot of resistance actually, um, when I posted up that that I, I would eat pigeon. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people. It's become a big taboo. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I I've become a big fan of Steve Rinella and seen mm-hmm. a lot of the you know the stuff that he's done through just Meat Eater before it was even on Netflix and the the books and got mm-hmm. to go to his life podcast and, and you know, he's, he's a down to earth, genuine guy from what I can tell. And mm-hmm. it's one of those that, uh, I, I feel like I've come to trust what he says, um, and found, uh, where he's talked about harvesting pigeons in New York city mm-hmm. and, and eating them there, um, now and again. And that kind of greenlighted the idea. Mm -hmm. where it's like I have this thing you know this this resource actually on the roof of my house (laughs) that I'm trying to exterminate because of them being homing birds that once they they pick an area to nest the only way to get rid of them is killing them yeah um so I I I was trapping them and killing them and discarding them and you know had this moment where I'm like god I'm throwing away meat
2: Uh uh-huh why? Uh
1: And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, kind of, kind of had to muster up a little bit of courage at first Mm because, because it was such a taboo and everybody's saying not to, Mm -hmm. but I I did a lot of, you know, research into it and they were actually one of the most common um, protein sources for us before, uh, chicken farming became an efficient industry. Uh And that's when we kind of switched away from squab. Mm-hmm. which if you go to, you know if you find a a really fancy fancy diner you know restaurant or, or french cuisine you might find squab on the menu Yes, true that, that's pigeon mm-hmm.
0: um where you where you go to restaurants in like new york or, or, or france or someplace that sells it right. you're looking at uh 30 bucks for the meal if not more it's like right and it's, it's sitting like, on your roof yeah it's like really it's like you're gonna charge me for this one i can just pull it yeah but it's it's the, the the luxury of having it available and like eating it but it's like i I'm looking forward to trying some of this, this right. upcoming uh, fall.
1: I, I mean, I see it. It's, it's a luxury of eating something you don't know what you're eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that so that like people it's are like paying you... so much money for. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like wow. It's like, you pay this much money? It's like, I'll charge <laughs> you that much? I have no problem doing that. Yeah. I, but then again, it's like, I, I wouldn't charge. It's like, it's it's something that's provided for us. It's like, why charge? for yes. it? Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you'd be doing a lot of cities a favor if it became more of a popular deal. No kidding,
0: no kidding. You know what I mean? It's like you'd be able to take care of it all. It's like you'd it, it, be able to. It's like people would just start loving it. Now it's like almost things like, it's like now just don't no, no no people that are to this pod, just don't go grabbing a BB gun and shooting them. You know, it's like you gotta follow the, the the rules and regulations when you're harvesting these things, whether you're in city limits or out in the country. Right. You make sure you stay above board because it's like you know it's one of those things where you do not want to get caught. Or and, and when you're doing something wrong, it's like because it's it, it's not going to be good for you because the DNR uh, or the wild fishing game, they're not going to monkey with you. You know, i saying they expect you to be an adult, and it's like you you come to reality. It's like you have that wake up call from when you when you turn when you go from that high school age into do adulthood. It's like nobody can you can't play. them. like I don't know. It's like you can't because everybody has smartphones. If you have mm-hmm. a question, Google can find for you, Surrey can, or Alexa can. It, it's don't take anything for granted. Always research it. And even though you may know somebody that knows what they're talking about and you trust them, always do your due diligence.
1: Right. When's the last time they read the read the regs? You know, because things change. That might have things- been something that hey, new change this year. Mm-hmm. If you go off of what somebody else told you from what they know from last year, mm-hmm. you might now be breaking the law. And you know, there's there's some of the penalties you know out there. I know if you get caught doing some of that stuff, you lose your license. And ability to hunt for five years that, that not the best case scenario
0: yeah and on top of the two it's like most everybody has a reciprocity so it's like you'll end up uh you'll be able to lose rights to hunting in, in majority of this in the country so it's like you you can't go to one state you can't go to iowa and you, you can't hunt whitetails there and you expect to go hunting in minnesota it's like it, it's it affects you all across the board so we're coming up to the tor- towards the end of the podcast here now i asked all my guests these these three questions now the since you're still kind of new to the whole hunting, what 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 is your um favorite game to hunt, or what or what do you have as a goal to hunt in your case?
1: Man, um, I really want to have a, a successful elk season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just from that kind of perseverance standpoint, and getting back out there and doing it again, as well as you know the being able to guarantee that I got that that meat for my family and provide mm-hmm. to be able to provide for them. But man, dove hunting. this is pretty good. Uh, that that can be just a ton of fun. Now
0: this leads into my next question here. What is your favorite meat to eat out of all the meat you've had that come across you or the meat that you could eat? What is your favorite meat to eat?
1: I mean, I, I, I feel like it's a tie for deer and elk. I, I guess to get around your your, uh, your question, it, it's it's the the meal that has the best story
0: that's actually a good way to put it i like that answer that's a very solid answer now my typically my last question is what kind of fish do you what what's your favorite fish to fish for but you don't fish very often so you just kind of go it's like you can use that answer for your your third answer like whatever has the best story behind it
1: yeah that that's i mean that's whether whether it's fish or or elk deer rabbit you know squirrel whatever the case is i think the biggest thing i love being in this community is just the Sitting down with somebody and, and learning their their view and their perspective and having that meal with them and if I didn't get to put the work in what did they you know what did they do because it just everybody just has that little bit of a different take and a little bit of a different experience and well, there's always something you can learn from them and it just makes it a really cool community to be in and it's been fun coming here to to Minnesota and um, today over to Wisconsin and mm-hmm. getting to talk to Tyler and, and Paul. And,
0: Well, thank you, Phil, for being a a fun guest. You guys out there have a good day. Make sure you read your rules and regulations. Talk to you later.